It has been since 1935 since a clarinet choir has performed on this stage. We couldn't be more excited and proud to provide you with the wonderful dulcet tones of the Terra Winds Clarinet Choir with their director, Dixon Grimes. Please enjoy. The clarinet is a sexy instrument. It has the largest pitch range of all the common woodwinds. It's like a sports car. It can go from E3 to C7, from 125 hertz to 2 kilohertz. You've heard it played more than you think. Everyone from Mozart to Benny Goodman to the Beatles have utilized its sound. Steven Spielberg himself even played one for the Jaws movie score. Today's guests, Dixon and Gail Grimes, have been playing the clarinet since elementary school. Fate put their seats next to each other at a football game back in the 1970s. By 1980, they were married and later had two boys. As many of us know so well, a family and career doesn't leave much time for following our dreams. But the passion for the clarinet never went away, and once their sons went off to college, they decided it was never too late. Joining a community band eventually culminated in the chance of a lifetime to perform at Carnegie Hall. More than just a core pursuit, music has given them a chance to be a closer family, to discover new friends, and to travel the world. Sometimes a core pursuit begets other core pursuits, that's the magic. If you think you've missed the boat on finding and following your passions, you might want to reconsider. But don't take my word for it. Listen to Gail and Dixon. Just like the clarinet, they've got a really warm timbre. Gail and Dixon Grimes are clients of Capital Investment Advisors. They were not compensated for participating in our podcast. But of course, we really appreciate them joining us to share their retirement stories. Do you ever wonder who you'll be and what you'll do after your career is over? Wouldn't it be nice to hear stories from people who figured it out, who are thriving in retirement? I'm Ryan Doolittle. After working with the Retire Sooner team for years and researching and writing about how they structure their lifestyles, I know there's more to be learned. So I'm going straight to the source and taking you with me. My mission with the Happiest Retirees podcast is to inspire one million families to find happiness in retirement. I want to learn how to live an exceptional life from people who do it every day. Let's get started. That was a clip of your Carnegie Hall performance. Can you tell me a little bit about how that, how does a clarinet choir say to themselves, let's play Carnegie Hall, and then how does it, how do you pull it off? Well, it was basically during COVID, and the band had pretty much shut down because of COVID. And we said, we got to find something to do because we hadn't really played together for a year. So we, 
got together with a, a guy who does travel in the band, and he recommended several things. And we decided, if we're going to do it, let's do it big. So we decided to try to go to Carnegie Hall. And it was, uh, we had to send in some tapes and biographies and all that kind of thing, and they picked us. It was it was great. Yeah. Once they picked us, that's when it really got real. We had... We had to rehearse. Rehearse quite a bit. Oh, and, I'd imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And put, yeah, put it together. We had to help some people with their travel, you know, kind of talk with people about navigating New York City and getting there and all of that. But everybody in the group worked super hard, and we've never sounded better. That was the cool thing about it is that, you know, we've been in performing groups since high school, and we've, I've never been in a musical experience like this. So to have that in your 60s is just miraculous, really. Oh, my gosh. It's inspiring because something you, I'm sure you'd always kind of dreamt about, and here you are doing it now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge goal for a musician to play at Carnegie Hall. Oh, my gosh. Well, they, I mean, they say, how do you get to Carnegie Hall practice? And it, it sounds like that's the route you took. I always took 7th Avenue, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> How cool that that was the night you sounded the best. And and I I know that in Carnegie Hall, the acoustics, I'm sure, are great. But I, I think that right. a lot of it had to do with your talent as well and just everything coming together. Yeah, I think everybody was really pumped up. We had gone in for kind of a rehearsal in Carnegie the afternoon of the performance. And when we played, that sound was just amazing. I've never felt anything like that. You know, you would play... And then you, it was almost like the sound just hugged you. <laughs> it was, it's hard to describe, but for a musician, it was the thrill of a lifetime. Yeah, I was reading a quote from you, Dixon, about it, and you'd said, the emotions that flood you are unlike anything you have ever experienced. You are standing on historic and musically holy ground, yet I felt like I belonged, that we were all worthy musicians and our time to perform had come. Actually, Gail wrote that. Oh, Gail wrote that. I, I agree with that. <laughs> okay. She attributed it yeah. to me. Well, you know, always trying to take the credit for Gail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't speak in that flowery language. Gail does that very well. So you would be more like, oh, it was great. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the acoustics really are as good as they say. It's just... Yes. Yeah, we've been to concerts many times at Carnegie Hall, but on the stage, it's just different. Well, and and one thing that I I thought was almost, you know, the kind of like the end of a movie when when the the stakes are high and you're wondering what's going to happen because you were playing a little later, maybe 10:30 p.m. and you were worried are people still going to stay that late because some other bands had played before you and then you walked out onto the stage and the music lovers of New York had all stayed to hear you. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise. One of our choir members is from New York City, and he said, people will be there. People will be there. And we listened, but I wasn't really quite sure. But he was absolutely right. We had the most enthusiastic audience, and they stayed, and they loved it. It was People were screaming at the end. It it was was such a blessing. I I was conducting, so I I wasn't looking at the audience. I turned around. I looked up at the top and I said, oh my goodness, what did we just do? 
Well, you got a standing ovation, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't even. Was that sort of an out-of-body experience? Or? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, even, so it's been close to, when was it, two, yeah, a year and a half, year and three quarters. And we mentioned this among ourselves and to the people we performed with, and it just brings tears to your eyes. You just kind of, it still is just such an emotional experience, you know, even now. It's just unbelievable, really. I still think about the rehearsal, and we played a Bach chorale to kind of get used to the sound. And the last chord, I can still feel that chord. It's just indescribable. The sound was just amazing. Yeah. Well, anyone out there who's looking to retire and maybe loves the clarinet or another instrument, use this as inspiration. (laughs) It's just... Give, Give us a call. Oh, yeah. All right. Wow. Thanks for offering. Yeah. And this also goes back to something, Gail, I talked to you a little bit. You were telling me about some of your, your strengths and you said something that stuck out to me. You said you didn't think you were particularly exceptional at anything, but I think I have to disagree. You just got a standing ovation at Carnegie Hall. Well, thank you very much. But a lot of it is just persistence and just having a commitment. You have the commitment, you have even a modest vision, or in this case, this was a big vision, but we've been playing for such a long time and we have that commitment. And, you know, we've been in a lot of discouraging rehearsals and maybe not so good concerts that we've performed in. And sometimes things don't turn out quite like you'd like, but you just keep trying at it and you just go to that next rehearsal or that next concert or you join another group. And you just keep going forward. And we found that we get a lot of success that way and a lot of enjoyment. Well, it sounds like being humble is one of your strengths as well, because I could see you winning a gold medal and saying it was mainly just persistence. (laughs) 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 You know, I think it's also some of your talent. Well, thank you. (laughs) I, I think it's a lot like exercise. You just have to keep doing it every day and you're going to get better. Whatever it is you're doing. Just keep doing it. Right. Yeah. When you don't work anymore, being around people all the time, it kind of goes away. So having that where you have a rehearsal with somebody every one week, every two weeks, it really helps. Yeah. I would imagine it provides some structure. Makes it easier to meet people. Right. And it's something you love anyway, so it it makes it the hard work worth it and maybe make it feel less like hard work. Right. We still have to practice a lot. But right. Yeah. How, how not, many, do you have to practice every day? Uh, yeah, but we don't usually. <laughs> now, I'm going to, I'm going to correct that. My husband practices just about every day, quite a bit, quite a bit. I'm not quite as dedicated because I'll clean the house or I'll go shopping or I'll mess around in the garden or whatever. But he puts in a lot of hours. Well, just from hearing the music you sent me, it, it's it's clear that you put in a lot of time on it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of a lifelong thing. Just got to keep at it. Yeah. Do you feel like you're always improving, even though you've, you're already so accomplished? I think so, yeah. As you get older, things change. And it's, it's harder to do certain things you could do really well when when you were 30, but I think mentally, I think we've gotten better at 
doing certain things, yeah. I think that's true. When you're younger, you have more physical acumen. You can get the mechanics of whatever you're trying to play can come easier. But when you're older and have more experience, you have a lot more insight about what you want things to sound like, how to make things more musical, make it more special in a way and not just a pile of notes flying flying away. Yeah, I was wondering if it if it could be compared to sports where say Dominique Wilkins who used to play for the Atlanta Hawks, you know, when he was younger, he was all about athleticism and jumping high and later in his career he had to work on maybe his jump shot because he couldn't jump as high anymore. Is it right. is that is clarinet definitely, definitely. like that? Okay. Lionel Messi and soccer. You know, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the quickest, but he's the smartest and he's the best player there ever was. Yeah. And he's 37 now, which is way past the time to play soccer. So. Right. And he's still, because he's been able to adapt to his own age. Right. You definitely have to adapt to getting older. And that's something we work on all the time. Yeah. Well, I would think in retirement, that's a big part of the journey is is learning. I mean, you tell me, but learning how to do that. I I would agree, and I'm not sure. I think the I don't think there's a lot of the how part. It's more like I'm a big believer in persistence. So just keep trying and trying and trying until you get something that gives you some improvement or gets you to where where you want to be. Yeah. In retirement, that that persistence uh, is so important. I mean, the people who don't do that, who maybe say, well, now I'm done working, I'm just going to sit here, they think that might be fun. It, f at least from our research, it doesn't really end up that way. No, you can't do that. That'd be the worst thing we could do. Yeah. I like to, I like to sit around, but <laughs> right. you, you, have to, you have to have something going on and something to think about. You have to be doing something so you can look forward to sitting around, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, okay, another thing that I think you both love, or at least Gail loves and, and Dixon loves Gail, so he does it. I'm not sure which one it is, but <laughs> Gail, you love travel. Yes, we, we both do. I have to admit I'm a little bit more of the lead person on the travel part, but I just love, especially love going to Europe. You know, even though the, the flight can be challenging and uncomfortable, once you're there, it's just amazing. That's the best thing. Like when we played at this festival in France, it was really the best of both worlds. We got to travel and we got to perform and we had a great time. Gail used to work for Delta many years ago. So she kind of developed that travel bug then. And oh. we used to we used to fly for free when, when she worked for Delta. We took our kids to Europe a few times and they would get to sit up in first class. And Ooh. it's very cool. Yeah. Once you work for Delta, can some of those benefits stay for life or is it only while you're working there? For people who retire, they get some of those, but it's changed quite a bit. Just like any company now, the whole benefit and perk structure, really, in many places, has just gone through such a change. So I'm not sure what they offer for people now. 
And when I left Delta, I was not a retiree, so no more free flying. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, at least you developed the love and figured out that's one of the things you wanted to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Will you tell me some of your favorite cities in Europe, since that's your, your favorite place to travel? Well, I loved Budapest. Lovely people. Beautiful. It was pretty inexpensive, too. Very inexpensive, very reasonable place to go. We just got back from a cruise and went to two, what I would call European beach towns, Nice and Ajaccio, Corsica. And what was nice about them is that there wasn't grand expectations of big museums and fancy cathedrals. They were just beautiful, just as they were. And they were full of they were full of French people with their families at the beach. And it was just really pretty. Love Paris. You know. Of course. Yeah. So if you go to Paris, Paris is a very international city. So you'll have people there from all over the world. Lots of Americans. And lots of Americans, a lot of British people. If you go someplace which is a smaller city then it's really more the tourists are more, well, they're French or they're from other places in Europe. And that's a nice thing. It, you just have a different experience. Yeah, for sure. And I know you love cruises too. Do you like that almost as much as, as going to these foreign cities? Well, I, I like to cruise because you don't have to worry about a hotel room. You just get on the ship and they take you around. You get off look at whatever you're going to look at, and you get back on the ship and have a nice dinner. And I like it. It's streamlined. Yes. 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 Ma- a, okay. Makes a vacation easy. It <laughs> does. It's very easy. When, when you're on a cruise, often there's a sea day or two where you don't stop at a port, and, and Dick really loves the sea days where I am more into wherever it is we dock, I want to be the first person off the ship and go do whatever it is that town has to offer. So we have a little bit of a different travel style. Right. So by the end of that sea day, you're you're ready to dock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to go somewhere. Well, it's a given. It sounds like a compromise. You know, you do some of this, some of that, and then you're both happy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we've been married 43 years, and there's a lot of compromise. <laughs> yeah. I was going <laughs> to say that's, that's probably a big part is. of it, right? Yeah. Let's let's just go back a little bit. I wanted to get a little bit more of sort of your backstory about the clarinet and and the band. I, is the Terra Winds Choir the main one, or that's the one that I had you know sort of read the most about? But I know you're in another one too. Well, the Terra Winds Clarinet Choir is part of the Terra Winds, which is a famous and really good concert band here in the Metro Atlanta area. So Dick founded the Clarinet Choir a number of years ago because we're sitting there among a pile of clarinets. And so that's how, that's how the Clarinet Choir got started. Now, the Clarinet Choir, you know, went to Carnegie Hall, but the Terra Winds was, you know, we just went to France with them and the Clarinet Choir went also. So it's like a subset of the band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the choir meets before the band rehearses. So we have a small rehearsal, and then we go to band rehearsal. If they're in the choir, they're also in the band. Oh, okay. They're two-way players. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you both played clarinet 
before you met. I mean, that's kind of how you ended that's up. That's how we met. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me a, that story? Gail will tell you the story. <laughs> well, we both went to Georgia State, and our college band director had set up a small band to play at Atlanta Falcons games. And this was a scholarship, so every, everybody wanted to do it because you got a little bit of money. $50 a quarter. An academic quarter, which was a lot oh. of money back then. I thought you um, meant per quarter in the game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when an opening came up, there were two openings for clarinets, and our dear band director, John Demas, said, Gail, who do you want to sit next to? And there was Dick, and there was another young man named Ted. And I sat next to Dick, and my other clarinet friend, Grace, sat next to Ted. And Grace and Ted got married, and Dixon and I got married. Wow. <laughs> so the magic pays to of be the a, clarinet. <laughs> pays to be a football fan. I mean. yeah. yeah. If you sit next to somebody in band, you never know what will happen. <laughs> Wait, Gail wait, Gail, did, they said, who do you want to sit next to? And you looked over and saw Dixon and said him? And said, I'll sit next to him. Wow. I don't really buy that story, but <laughs> that's, absolutely that's what she always says. true. It is true. <laughs> so she gave me chicken soup, one of the first really cold Falcons game. That was it. I knew. I knew she was, was the one. She was set up. <laughs> so that, that was 19... Well, not it was in the 1970s. I don't know exactly. 75 or 6 or six, something, like, something that. like that. Okay. And by 1980, you were married. Correct. Okay. So that shows us, uh, shows us a lot. So folks out there looking for love, you might want to pick up the clarinet or, or some, some woodwind instrument. Uh, <laughs> it's never so, too late to start. Right? You can yes. always, you can always pick up a horn. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, you both have music degrees. Dixon served in, in the U.S. Army Band. Gail, you were a band director. And mm -hmm. then your life, you know, life just sort of happens. And Dick, you became a CPA. Gail, you worked as an IT disaster recovery consultant. Do I have that That's right? That's right. That's right. What exactly is that? Well, it's getting your company or whoever you're working with to build out their system so that if there's a fire or a, th or a flood or your data center just absolutely becomes unfunctional, that your business can keep going. So I used to help people design resilient architecture. Okay. And then Dick, obviously a CPA, were you doing people's taxes and that sort of thing? or No, I work for a corporation... I did the corporation's taxes, lots of property tax, sales tax, income tax, everything for a corporation. Okay. But during that time, whenever you had a moment, you would, you know, pick up the clarinet if you could? Well, there were quite a few years that we let it drop when our kids were little. And then uh, when our kids, they both went to Georgia Tech. Mm. And when they both got out of school... We got back into it really big time again. Yeah. As soon as our youngest graduated from high school, the following fall, we were in a community band. We were in Tarawinds. So it was like, we're in now. We're, <laughs> we have the time. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had the time. Yeah. yeah. Time to get it back. 
So, Gail, you had mentioned one of your core pursuits is exercise. I think your best friend is a personal trainer. She is one of my very best friends, and uh, she had helped me a number of years ago drop a lot of weight. And so I still work with her virtually because she's moved far away. I don't get to go to her home anymore for training. I have to admit, I didn't really list exercise as a core pursuit. It's more more of a means to an end to just try and hold the weight down a little bit. But um, but I think it's important. And one of the things that, you know, as you're getting older, and, and we see this all the time, is just to try and spend some time and effort on wellness. So we are picking up our exercising, both of us. Just to, I'm not sure that it helps me get out of bed in the morning. Like, I don't have that same passion for it as I do for clarinet playing. Right. But it's something that that we're trying to see, keep a commitment to. So it's it's sort of a necessary evil or some something you don't love, but but you know it benefits you. You have to do it. Yeah. If you want to be healthy. But now for my personal trainer. That is her number one core pursuit. That's her thing. Right. But luckily for you, she can she can guide you along. I mean, that sounds like, did you go through a, a big process? I, I don't know how long it took, but you you had a goal of losing weight and, and you got, sounds like you got there. Yeah, a couple of, took a couple of years and we still work on it too. So, and she helps me with that. Well, and, and that's in addition to physical exercise, you had mentioned as as you get a little bit older, you also focus on doing some mental exercises because I, I think sometimes even I know my age, um, I'm in my 40s and I, I have to I have to go to the brain gym, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you what are some of the ways you do that? It sounds like maybe some puzzles. I like to I like to do crossword puzzles. New York Times, a lot of times it's too hard. But yeah, I, I've found that, there, too. <laughs> there are a lot of free ones online that are. Very good, and uh, keep it sharp. And I like to play chess. Oh, I'm very bad, but I still like to play. <laughs> Do you play each other? <laughs> no, Gil will play, but chess.com. Oh, oh, you play online? Yeah, you can either play a computer, or you can play a real person, or you do puzzles. It's always fun. It just keeps your mind sharp. Yeah, not that my mind is sharp, but. <laughs> With it keeps, it keeps that stuff. I'd <laughs> be in bad shape. <laughs> well, Gail, what what do you do to to go to the brain gym? I play probably a little too much luminosity games. Oh. Um, Gail is the champion luminoser. Really? Is it luminosity? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably a little too much. I have to watch it if I hold my iPhone too tight it messes up my wrist for clarinet playing so yeah yeah so um yeah i do that and also i like to garden so i'll do some reading up on some you know gardening techniques and trying to keep the plants alive and and things like that what do you so i have become a hobbyist gardener and right now i've got zinnias sunflowers daisies and I'm growing tomatoes and romaine lettuce. What, tell me what you Ooh. have going. Right now, tomatoes, green peppers, the cucumbers finished, and I planted some more, and the rabbits got them. Oh, jalapenos. Some, the jalapenos. Oh. Which are very good this year. Jalapenos are the easiest plant ever. 
Really? Yes. Okay, um, that is good to know. And snow peas are getting ready to finish, and I planted a new squash. The squash got so big it almost tore down the fence, so we had to let it go. So we're going to try it again and maybe have some squash for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. So you have a lot going. You have, you must have a pretty sizable garden. Just a little bit, one or two of everything. Okay. So not too big. It's a raised bed. It's pretty small. Oh, okay. Okay, so tell me, as people get into retirement, and I know you're still fairly new to retirement, not brand new, but maybe maybe the end of the honeymoon phase or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how would you describe like the perfect day in retirement? Well, we were talking about this, and one of the most perfect days for me, is Thanksgiving Day, especially after everyone's eaten and the first set of dishes is in the dishwasher and we're sitting down for coffee and the real conversations start. So, And everybody's there. So I really like those days when all the family is there. I like days when you're practicing and you get a lot done or you've had a great performance or a real, you know, a really good rehearsal, you know, which has really been inspiring. It's always a great day when you get to babysit the kids, the grandkids a little bit. What else, dear? Well, my perfect day is doing anything I want, whenever I want, <laughs> if, Gail, if Gail lets me. <laughs> you love being in control of everything if Gail says that's okay? Yeah, as long as she says it's okay, I'm in charge. Yeah. <laughs> I see why you've been married 43 years. <laughs> I'm still a little bit more schedule-driven. Okay, you had mentioned that there are some days in retirement where you might feel a little bit bored and you wish there were a little more structure than maybe you had when you were in your career. What are some ways or tips uh, to kind of fight through that and create that structure? Well, I think that adding in some extra exercise, which we've done recently, will help with that. And we joined the Y which is great because there's a class and there's machines and there's and it's it's close to the house so there's not really a lot of excuses. I do have to admit I do do some therapeutic shopping if okay. I'm really bored and uh, <laughs> so. I'm, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I don't buy a lot but I do look quite a bit. But I I think there's only so far that we'll let it go. We'll have a you know a little bit of slack or slacker day or two, but as a couple, we usually feel when it's time to get back to it and and just kind of get back to work or do something around the house or work on another music project. There's just usually something that will draw us back and get us back like on the rails a little bit. It's easier for me to know when it's time to get back to work. Gail tells me to get back to work. (laughs) That seems to be a running theme here. That's a a big theme. My parents have been married, I think, 54 years maybe. And a big adjustment when my dad retired was my mom being worried that he would be home a lot. (laughs) Oh. So I don't know if that's the way it is for you, but she she said, "You, you need things to do because I can't, you can't just be asking me what's going on. Having a basement helps. Ah, yeah, it helps a lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. I can go down to the basement, and Gail doesn't look at me for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, we in our new home we have a little bit of space to spread out. So 
you know, we know where each other are and I can go do my things and, and Dick can go in the basement. And it doesn't, it's not like he's just sitting there playing chess all day. For the clarinet choir, he arranges music, you know, writes original, you know, writes music for the group, which is time consuming and takes some concentration. So he's busier and I think a little bit more self-motivated than he, than he says. Right. So a typical day, do you, do you wake up and sort of lounge around for a while or is it I'm up, I'm writing music, I'm on the go? There's no structure. Oh, okay. It's just whatever the, the, when the mood strikes. Yeah. But I would say that we're usually at the gym by nine. Oh, we're at the Y. We're at the Y by nine or by nine o'clock. Something's happening. Practice or, or housework or something. Maybe I'm a later sleeper, but that doesn't sound very late to me. I don't. How early are you getting up? Six. Okay, so you're up at six. Maybe you have your coffee and yeah, a puzzle or luminosity, and then you're then you're on to it. Okay, right. Do a little reading, say some prayers, go to Twitter, which I probably shouldn't do, <laughs> um, and then yeah, I get to work. <laughs> okay, well that bringing up prayers, spirituality, and however you define it is. Sounds very important to you from what you were telling me before. It is. It very much is. I get a lot of comfort from my faith, and and I I believe sincerely that Jesus is my Savior. And I wouldn't say that I'm a good Catholic, but I try at it, you know, so that's very important. And I think if you, you know, whatever your faith tradition is, you know, I would say it's very important for you to pay attention to that. Do you do you find going to church provides some community, or do you mostly do this at home? Oh, going to yeah. church, going okay. to we church. We go to mass every week. And- yeah, oh, you we do. To- so- and when we moved, we found a new parish, which was in our neighborhood that we really like, and we're playing clarinet from time to time with this music ministry. Oh, wow. Well, they they really lucked lucked out having you in their parish. Well, they're very kind. (laughs) Yeah, they're very kind, and there's already a very good clarinet player and a flute player and a saxophone player, and it sounds really nice. So we're glad that they have room for us. This so I grew up Catholic. We did not have this kind of talent roaming around the music room. (laughs) Is this common in Atlanta or? Well, I would say a larger, larger, lot of larger churches do a little bit better. And, you know, the, the lady who runs the music ministry, she has a doctorate in divinity and, and, and she's a proper organist. Mm. So she's a professional. So we're very lucky. And that's what helps bring it all together. And her husband arranges music. So if, if they want us to play, they arrange music. We just sit down and we play the music, and it's wonderful. So it, it sounds like it does. There's a whole other community going on. There's the the spirituality as- aspect of it. There's again more music. Involved. More music, yeah. We had a, another guest who he calls himself unretired uh, mm-hmm. because he's retirement has a certain definition that he didn't feel fit him. Would, do you feel like maybe that's what your life is? Your you're not doing your career, but you're doing a lot of other things. Well, I I kind of felt like my career was never really who I was. 
So I don't feel much different, to be honest. You know, I sat at the desk and did the numbers thing for quite a few years, but I was always involved or thinking about music anyway and trying to think what we were going to be doing, especially the last few years. I was thinking a lot about music. Yeah. So you you stayed who you were. You just kind of work was one of those things you have to do. And so you you sort of uh, yeah. got through it, made the best of it, and then popped right back to your passion. Yeah. I was a CPA, but I never really felt like a CPA. I'm not that kind of guy with the, the blinders and the, the things on your arm and the yeah. pocket protectors and all that. Yeah. And, and so. how about you, Gail? Well, I have to admit, I really enjoyed working. I enjoyed the field that I was in. I enjoyed it when I worked at Delta because it just sparked this great love of travel. I enjoyed the technology field I was in. But I got out at a really good time, and it didn't. It took me a little bit of time to sort of change that identity. But I got rid of it a little quicker than I thought I would, so I was okay with that. I was all right with that. And things change so quickly in technology now that even two years after I left, it was just a completely different thing. So I didn't feel quite so attached. Well, that's so there was almost a a, a natural organic break. I would say it. so. And it just it was circumstantial. So it was a kind of a blessing in disguise how it worked out. Well, that's great that that worked out that way. Mm-hmm. And, well, also that you see, I think that also depends on your positive outlook. Some people might not see it that way, but you sound like a glass half full type of type of clarinetist. <laughs> well, thank you. Gil definitely is. Yeah. 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 It's nine tenths full. <laughs> wow. We have a little segment here we like to do. So my my wife is Puerto Rican. And she has a word called bochinche, which means like the juicy gossip. So this is the bochinche report. We want to know here on this podcast, how how is the love of your marriage going these days? Are you going, going on dates? Are you writing clarinet songs for each other? Tell, tell me a little bit about it. <laughs> I just arranged a piece for Gail. It's uh, an arrangement of, of two Beatles songs, Blackbird and... I will. I will always love you. Oh, my gosh. I took an arrangement that a vocal group did, and I arranged it for choir. And she's playing the the tenor part. So that's that's my love song to her. You are a romantic, Dixon. Yes, I am. (laughs) He is. Wow. And two songs from the White Album. Yes. Those are two of my favorites. I um, was just... I have a nine-month-old son, and so I have to sing to him to get him to sleep, and... I don't have a whole lot of material. So just the other night, I sang both of those in one night. <laughs> oh, yeah. very good. So <laughs> I didn't have a clarinet on me. That might have, <laughs> but that might have kept him up. <laughs> well, Gail will play it on alto clarinet. Yeah, I'll oh. play it for you. Okay. <laughs> That's a deal. <laughs> so Gail, how about you? What, what are some of the, your uh, romantic passions? Well... The way to a man's heart can be through his stomach. So some nice pound cake or a blueberry pie. Chocolate. Or something made out of chocolate always is very appreciated. I I feel like men, um, we have a different 
outlook on that. I wouldn't, if my wife does the dishes, I feel like, wow, I, I feel loved. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. I must, she, I must really be good. Yeah, she wants like a, for me, she wants like a romantic drive up the beach or something. And I, yeah. I'm a little more simple, I think. There you go. Well, thanks for providing some bochinche for our listeners. We're getting towards the end here. So thank you so much for being on the Happiest Retirees podcast with us. I, I wanted to say, if you could just tell me the biggest challenge you've each faced along this retirement journey so that people can maybe know what to expect and, and what to do when they find themselves maybe in the valley and how to get back up the mountain. I think it's keeping your mind active. You can do it any way you want to, a million ways probably, but you, you have to be thinking about something. Physically, that helps too, but mentally, is that's what you really have to watch out for. And I would say, I would say pray, just have a commitment to how you see your life and look for some improvement and try and be open. You know, there's so much change and it happens so fast. Try and be open. You don't have to accept everything, but at least acknowledge it and figure out how to if not make it work for you, how to continue with the things that you love to do. and But just be open and know that there's just going to be a lot of change and that sometimes things feel very uncertain. And I would say pray and be committed. And and the other things, too, is, is sometimes we have friends who are a little bit more negative, maybe not so much into growth or... I would say maybe maximizing what they do. They're more of the sit-in-the-chair type of retirees. And try not to let that kind of color your mind. You know, just keep on your path, but be open. So be open and have perseverance. It sounds like there's some... Yes. Be, the be combination. Very much so. A lot of perseverance and... It's okay to take a break, but try not to let yourself get too on the back of your heels for long. Great advice. I, I just want to say that from we spend a lot of time on this topic, obviously, and your adventure encompasses a lot of the habits that we see from the happiest retirees, a healthy marriage, organized social connections, group activities, pursuing something that takes time and achievement to, to fine-tune and improve, which you're consistently fine-tuning and improving everything from marriage to clarinet to standing ovations. <laughs> so thank you, Gail and Dixon Grimes, for joining us on the Happiest Retirees podcast. And I, I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. such an honor to be asked to do this. It is. Oh, the honor's all on this side of the microphone. Well, thank you again.